You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. What you are about to hear is real. The prophets wrote of a time when the signs of the end would be seen. This is where Bible prophecy and current events collide. This is Unsealed. Yes, indeed, friends. Uh, this is Unsealed Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Uh, I bless you in the name of Yeshua the Christ. And uh, I'm just so glad to be able to do this again. Uh, as always, gives me great pleasure and uh, extra pleasure today because we have a, uh, not a guest, the guest. No, the continuation of our talk from last week. If you missed Chad Harvey uh, last week, I really suggest you go back to that episode and check it out after this one. Uh, just go to unsealedpodcast.com and you'll find that one uh, from last week and every previous one. But it's so interesting. We talked about uh, his first book called God's Prophetic Timeline, as well as just uh, Chad in general and his ministry and his calling and uh, the things that uh, he sees coming down the pike as far as uh, what we should be expecting next. Um, and so I wanted to bring him back again because I don't think we were done. I think there's a lot more to talk about and there's another book to talk about and all kinds of stuff. So And plus, I felt the Lord wanted him to come back. So, uh, Chad Harvey, my brother, welcome back, my friend. Uh, Shalom, Chris. It's always good to be with you. Thanks, man. Right. So, uh, last. by the way, if you're out there, please feel free to chime in. If you have a question or, or comment for Chad, go ahead and, and type that in. If you're uh, watching or viewing live on Spreaker, uh, you can type it right into the app there. You could also send an email, by the way, if you wanted to contact at unsealedpodcast.com. Uh, but uh, interact now and uh, ask Chad what you'd like. Um, he'd be happy to speak with you. Um, so I think the we ended up with how we're seeing things going, um, obviously in the Middle Eastern nations, these are these four kingdoms that you talked about uh, last time, and basically this is God trying to tell the church, or you know those who would understand, um, where to look, and by implication, where not to look, right? To, to get distracted or, or to go off course, um, we should be going where the Bible says to go, and that's obviously, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and so those four kingdoms, again, remind us, uh, Chad, what you wrote about and where we should be focused. Uh, yes, and I really appreciate uh, having me on today. It's always a pleasure to converse with you about these important topics. And you've been one of the voices in the wilderness crying out to the church to uh, look where the Bible says to look, which is Israel-centric, and then the immediate surrounding nations, that ancient war, that family war, <laughs> so to speak, for good old-fashioned real estate, the deed to the mm -hmm. land, uh, right. if you will, with the covenant. So, But uh, yeah, we discussed the four kingdoms in Daniel 2, Daniel 7, however people want to look at those, and then the transitional chapter with Daniel 8 between the second and the third kingdom, which is, uh, I'll use their modern names, Iran and Turkey. And uh, I just believe that when you look at these uh, kingdoms and you look at really the days of creation as being prophetic with the 6,000 years six days stepping into the day of the Lord. The, the day of the Lord is the seventh day, the 7,000th year. And, um, and you look at 48, you look at 67, and I believe Daniel, you know, as, as we agree, his book is sealed to the time of the end. You know, the time of the end is the time of the end. You know, so uh, we can't mix that up. So I believe these kingdoms, you're seeing them come to fruition. And I believe there's not a question, no matter how someone looks at the first kingdom, Babylon, I think we can all agree that's been uh, fulfilled, however that looks. And then we've got Medo-Persia. We've got Iran as the dominant superpower of the Middle East. There's no question about that. Any political, religious leader, anybody that keeps up with that, uh, the geopolitical field over there would agree with that, I think, um, as we agree. And now you're seeing this goat. Now you're seeing this third kingdom. You know, you're seeing the bronze. You're seeing uh, the third kingdom that Daniel, I believe, is speaking of, the leopard, uh, really start to take hold of the Middle East and their aspirations, Erdogan's aspirations to be the supremacy of the superpower uh, of the Middle East. You know, we can kind of see that coming, especially in these last 
you know, decade, if you will. And it started before that, of course, it starts out slow and then it increases, as you know. And and so I really feel like it, even last year with the, what he's done uh, in the Middle East, I think you, we're on this collision course, uh, you know, with him, what he's doing with the Kurds, you know, et cetera, uh, what he's doing. And I believe you're going to eventually see those two doctrines of Islam really collide for supremacy of the Middle East. And Daniel 8 tells us who wins that war. And that is Yvonne, that is Turkey. And um, so we discussed that last week. And then as we, I think you and I agree, just follow the map, if you will, of Daniel 8. And it will take you to the promised land, if you will, uh, for the second coming. So right. that's where I'm seeing this. And I think we agree that once we see Turkey and Iran, or if someone looks at that historical, once you see Turkey in general uh, become the su- su- you know, supreme dominant superpower over there, then, you know, we're really on a collision course with the second coming. That's a great way to put it, man. It's, uh, it is a roadmap, is it not? Um, I, I totally think that's why it's in there the way it is, is to show, you know, the generation it does happen to, hey, this is, these are the steps now. Um, and these why, this is why it's important to look at these things. And we're looking, like you said, the past year plus, we've seen some very aggressive moves um, by Turkey and their aggressive leader, uh, Erdogan, and uh, even hopefully now, I'm hearing today, um, we might, not that it matters a whole lot, but we might actually be getting around as as the United States and the civilized world or whatever, however you want to put that, um, to condemning the Armenian genocide. Amen. And thank God, if that's true, I hope, I hope it does come down today, because various leaders over the years, I mean, for a hundred years, but especially the last like four or five presidents have all shied away. They've chickened out, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, because for whatever reasons they have, I think the spiritual reason behind it is because there's a, a, a very powerful principality uh, over that land, right? And you read about him actually in Daniel 10, <clears throat> uh, the prince of Yelan. Um That's right. So um, this is not somebody or something that you want to take lightly. And I think that's why we see so much um, hesitation to stand up to Erdogan and, and the Turkish army. Um, it's like there's some other element there. It's like there's, there's no reason why we should fear they're not, you know, armed with nuclear weapons at our cities or something, but yet we don't want to touch them. Um, I think that's a sign in itself of, uh, of a strong principality there. Um, by the way, Matthew, hello. Uh, Matt is, is joining us live. Uh, he says, hello, Chad. And um, yes, yeah, shalom to you, man. And thanks for being with us as always, Matt. It's a great pleasure. So, by the way, anyone who's watching this live, please share. Uh, and you can get this on any podcast platform Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, whatever you have, but uh, share it around. That'd be awesome. Um, anyway, right. So, we're seeing this, and I hope today, hopefully, we can get this official again. Not that it would do anything other than, you know, to tell the truth. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, Satan hates the truth because um, he can't tell the truth. That's what the Lord said. Um, so we want to stand up to that and, and his, his gang, uh, his army. Of course, these are supernatural things, not men. Uh, but we see the expression of it in these, in these kingdoms. And I totally, one million percent agree with you. And like I said last time, I think this is a big um, a confirmation, a big reason why I believe you can trust what Chad is saying in these uh, books and videos and his YouTube channel. By the way, go subscribe to his YouTube channel right now or right after you listen. Uh, to this, it's called Faithful Performance. Just type in Faithful Performance into YouTube, and you'll see his channel. D- tremendous amount of videos, uh, very in-depth, uh, covers so many things, and it's all scriptural, all scriptural. It's all it is. I mean, the commentary is almost nothing. Uh, it's just laying out the, the facts of the matter, and this is why it matters, and these are the uh, feast days, and these are the, like you say, the days of creation, why we should be thinking about that, and this is the areas we should be looking at, and this is why we should care about Israel. And on that point, uh, the next thing I wanted to bring up was Israel herself, because, as you rightly say, that is the ultimate point of all of that. Daniel 7, Daniel 8, um, these kingdoms, right? The moves of the enemy, it's all revolving around, like you say, the real estate. It's all about the real estate. And you would know that because Chad works in real estate. Uh, he knows he knows the truth of that, right? It's a cool how God gives you revelation about these things in your normal work. Um, and it, it is a real estate problem, uh, an issue. And so God has claimed a certain portion of land and a people in that land as his own. And so, of course, the devil will oppose those plans. 
uh, and wants to take over himself. So that's the ultimate goal of of all these all these kingdoms rising and fighting and for supremacy and right, getting a leader in there eventually uh, to to challenge God's people and God's land and God Himself. Right, Psalm two. Um, it's ultimately about uh, challenging Jesus Himself. Um, so anyway, we, last night something really kind of mysterious happened. Uh, Israel has a not so secret nuclear program. Uh, they'll never admit to it, but there's a big nuclear reactor there. Anyways, uh, in Demona, and uh, last night apparently there was a missile fired at it from Syria. Um, and I'm the first thing I thought was that was stupid. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to let you get away with it. Uh, it's not going to probably even hit the thing, which it didn't. Uh, it got it got shot down before that, and then uh, there was inst- you know, very fast retaliation. Um, and who would even launch such a thing? But the point is, like you said, there's an ancient uh, an ancient hatred there, right? An ancient hatred. That's what the Bible says. Um, ancient hatred, and like, and at the end of the day, it's a family um, feud, isn't it? And so. Yeah, and so that's I wanted to lead into your your the follow-up book that you wrote, which is called God's Fisherman, Satan, Satan's Hunters, uh, which goes into that conflict and that hatred and that family feud and uh, how a prophet that we don't usually look to for these things talks about it. So can you describe that? Uh, sure, and it really goes back into this this hinge door of 1948. I believe that was just a huge marker. Uh, no, it's not the final return, but it had to occur for some of these prophecies to be fulfilled. You know, and we know the final alia, if you will, the final return will be when when Jesus leads them back Himself. You know, in Jeremiah 23, and it's very clear He leads them back. You know, so there's a a difference, and and I think we'll get into Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 16, but. Uh, the fish. Uh, I wrote this, or felt led to write God's fishermen, Satan's hunters, and actually it was going to be a chapter in the previous book, uh, God's timeline, a prophetic timeline. And my mother, and all of her wisdom, I guess, and you know, it's good to listen to your mom. Uh, so you know, the uh, the commandment, right, to honor your mother and your father. But so she told me, she's like, I feel like you need to take this out because it was just a five thousand word chapter, you know, just kind of like a basic understanding of the blood moons and things like that, and this alia that's occurring and then the hunters and stuff. And she said, I feel like you need to take the, take it out and write a book on it. And I'm like, Oh goodness. So I took it out of the first book and then it became an 80,000 page uh, book. So, Whoa, 80,000 words. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Lest, 80, yeah, yeah, Lest you scare words. off customers, right? 80,000 words, not pages. Okay, good. Sorry. Right. And if anybody's interested in these books, I can email you a digital copy for free. And it's just about getting the information out there and keep what's good and discard what's bad, uh, what the Holy Spirit leads. But so when we look at this fisherman prophecy and it's in Jeremiah 16, and I don't know how much in depth you want to get into it first, but the reason I wrote this prophecy and the reason I wrote the other book or felt led to is I'm not a prophet. I like to go back and look at what the prophets say and then see how we have seen these last decades since 48. See if we can put the puzzle pieces together to kind of get an idea of the times and the seasons that we're living in. Like I think most of us, like yourself and others who do this and in a responsible way and then let the prophecy itself, you know, lead you, you know, into the future, not myself or whoever else it may be. So, um, so when this prophecy, when I looked at it, Jeremiah 16, and basically I'm going to summarize it. It says that, Basically, there's going to be a great alia or return back to the land by the Jewish people because of the everlasting covenants. And it's going to be a greater alia than Egypt. Okay, well, Egypt had about 600,000, if you will, leave Egypt. Well, since 1948, there's been over 4 million Jewish people returned to the land. You know, and I might be jumping ahead, but just give you an overall summary. And so it's because of the everlasting covenants why he's doing this and for other prophecies to be fulfilled. So whenever I started looking at 1948 is that hinge point of where they had to be back in the land. They had to have control over the land. They had to be uh, controlled Jerusalem as well in 1967. And if you look at the statistics going forward, the fishermen, in my opinion, you can make the solid case that they have been released since 1948 to fish their own people back into the land. So whenever I looked at this prophecy, and and as you know, Chris, the book of Jeremiah is a fascinating book, and it's historical, but also prophetic, 
and sometimes the prophetic chapters kind of weave in and out of the historical chapters. Yes. So we have to be very careful when we read it. But whenever I looked at this prophecy, and this is what the book is founded on, uh, well, it's really the everlasting covenants, and that's why Jeremiah wrote the prophecy. So it's really those two, uh, those two aspects of it. But whenever I read the prophecy, I went back in history and said, okay, so he's going to lead them from the north and from all of the lands, you know, not just Babylon, from all of the lands. So on first glance, someone might say, okay, well, that's been fulfilled because they returned to the promised land after, um, after the Babylonian captivity for 70 years. But then it goes to tell you how the Lord's going to do it. He's going to do it by the fishermen. He's going to fish their people back, and the hunters afterward will hunt them back. So that's never occurred in history. You know, after the Babylonian captivity, Cyrus made a decree to allow them to go back. Well, Cyrus wasn't a fisherman, okay? Mm. Uh, he, he's not, uh, I believe the Jewish people are going to fish their own people back. You know, it makes total sense. I'm not saying that we can't be a part of it. Of course, I think we all kind of uh, are a part of the Alia and stuff like that with uh, charities and stuff, which is a beautiful thing. But the prophecy itself, they're going to be fished back and then they're going to be hunted back. So even if one thinks that they were fished back after the Babylonian captivity, they definitely were not hunted back. True. Okay, so... And I don't think these prophecies spread out in 2000 years. Personally, I just no. I think there's a lot of problems with that when you get into eschatology. So I believe it has not been fulfilled. And then I believe the fishermen were released in 1948 and we can get further into it. Uh, and then I believe the hunters were released uh, here recently because it says afterwards the hunters will be released to to provoke the Jewish people back home. So that gets into a lot of things that I uh, we might get into. So that's the overall summary is we have to understand the everlasting covenants. Uh, and I tell people there's three things, basic things that I think are very crucial for eschatology. And that's the calendar, God's calendar that he works on. Not that we can't relate it to the Gregorian calendar. Of course we can, but he's going to do it on his feast days on the biblical calendar. We have to understand the feast days for uh, the second coming events, because he's going to fulfill those Jesus is and then the covenants, and, you know, and they work so beautiful together with, the book of revelation prophets and etc so the foundation of the book um is the covenants we have to understand the abrahamic the davidic the new covenant like you said with the ancient enemies and we have to ask ourselves who has the problem with this who has the problem with the promises of god is it the european countries hmm. and i would say absolutely not or is it the islamic countries surrounding jerusalem surrounding israel who has a problem with the temple mount who has a problem with israel the Palestine, all of these things, who has that problem? So we have to look at it from a ancient enemy, like you're saying, it's, it's, it's really that simple. It's, it's really the covenant people, again, basically Jacob versus Esau, okay, Ishmael versus Isaac. You know, if you can kind of look at it, the deed to the land, the promises of what they believe, the Islamic people, the firstborn, well, we know what the Holy Scripture said, it's through Isaac, you know, it's through Jacob and not Ishmael or Esau. So we have to look at it like that. It, it is a family affair. Of course, we pray for the Muslim people. I love the Muslim people, as you know, and we pray for them. They're beautiful people. They're just deceived, and we need to pray for them. So uh, it's not really about the Muslim people. It's really about the, the religion of Islam, you know, that, that really we're against, not the people themselves. So um, when we look at the historical understanding of who has the problem with it is Islam and I believe Satan has is going to use this, as you do, to really come against the Jewish people. You can see it very clearly if you look at the Middle East. The nations that are surrounding them are radicals. Okay, the, the I'm talking about Islam, not the people, but Islam is radical around them. And they're just waiting on uh, the timing to really come against God's people. Amen. We're talking to Chad Harvey right now. This is Unsealed. Um, great, great friend of the program, great friend of mine. Uh, Chad has really been blessed with some insight here by the Lord. Uh, we are talking about uh, God's Fisherman, Satan's Hunters, which is his second book. You can get that if you want to buy it on Amazon or wherever or direct from his site at FaithfulPerformance.com. You can do that, or you can just reach out to Chad, and he'll give you a digital copy for free. For free. Uh, Chad at FaithfulPerformance.com, correct? That's your email? That's right. Yeah, go, right. yeah, just shoot him a note. He'll be he'll be happy to send it. Um, not a problem. You can reach out to me as well, and we'll, we can make that connection for you. Uh, so anyway, we're talking about that, and what we're referring to the 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 fishermen and hunters prophecy that Chad's talking about is Jeremiah chapter sixteen, uh, basically verse fourteen through twenty one. Um, that passage where you could say, well, it's 
kind of fulfilled, maybe, right? Like the Jews did come back to the land. Obviously, God evicted them through Nebuchadnezzar and and so forth. And then they uh, lived there for 70 years, and then they came back. We know that's a promise that came true. However, there are certain issues uh, with the text in passages like this that say, I don't think that all happened, you know? <laughs> I'm not sure about this. Uh, so that's that's what we're referring to. So who would you—it says, uh, Jeremiah 16, 16, Behold, I will send for many fishermen, says the Lord, and they shall fish them. And afterward I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill out of the holes and the rocks. That's that's the premise, correct? So first these fishermen, and then after them, the hunters. So uh, explain again who you understand those to be. Uh, yes, and it goes back into the covenants. And I want to make it clear, um, when I say God's fishermen, according to Jeremiah's prophecy, I'm not talking about Matthew 4.19. If you're right. a believer in Messiah, you are a fisherman, period. I'm talking about what Jeremiah would have understood you know, the fishermen would have, would have been. And in his case, I believe that he's talking about his own people uh, and we can get into statistics and I go through plenty of statistics in the book, but uh, we have to remember in Romans 11 that the calling is irrevocable uh, for the Jewish people. They are the elect, even though they might be enemies of the gospel as a nation overall. Um, he, Paul says that, but they are the elect because of the because of the fathers, and the calling is irrevocable. So what does that mean? That means that once they're back into the land, they're going to be the ones who are going to fish their people back. David Ben-Gurion, the Jewish agency, World Zionist Organization, we were over there in Israel with uh, Kaim Malspin. He does the Aliyah Return Center. Mm-hmm. They're going to fish their people back. Of course, we can be a part of that as Gentile believers uh, in Messiah. But I believe that it's very clear they're going to fish their own people back, but they couldn't do that until they were a nation again. I mean, you look at the statistics of um, from like 1882 to 1948, there was about 300,000 people, uh, Jewish people that made Aliyah, you know, to the promised land. But if you look at it from 1948 to right now, like I said, over four million uh, Jewish people because they were a state again, you know, the law of return in 1950, etc. So to me, it makes perfect sense. Again, not saying that we can't Gentile believers be a part of it, but they're the government, the Jewish agency, the Zionist organization, all local charities like uh, Kaim, you know, they're going to be the ones to fish their people back to set them up for success with housing, occupation, uh, get them acclimated, you know, into the land once they do make Aliyah. And you're just seeing this massive move of Aliyah since 1948 that you've never seen. So to me, it totally makes sense. They are the covenant people. It goes back into the covenants, the Abrahamic, the Davidic, the new covenant. If one's not familiar with those, I'll summarize it. God made two great promises. There's a lot of promises, but the ones we're speaking of, uh, he promised a seed, which is the same seed in Genesis 3.15 of of a Messiah to crush the serpent's uh, head. Uh, he promised a seed in Genesis 3.15, which is the same seed that of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, he promised the promised land, the literal boundaries that Messiah will rule over. And the Davidic covenant builds and extends upon that, that Messiah will sit on David's everlasting throne over the children of Israel and the Gentiles who are grafted in, in my opinion, over the promised land as well. And then the new covenant builds and extends upon that. And for people to really understand it's made with the Jewish people. All these covenants are made with the Jewish people and Gentiles are grafted in. Romans 11, Ephesians 2, Galatians 3, 26 through 29 is another beautiful chapter. If you are a seed of Christ, you are a seed of Abraham and your heirs according to the promise, which is the Abrahamic covenant. Right. And the Davidic covenant builds on that. And the new covenant builds on that when the Jewish people accept him as a nation, as their Messiah, their king. We will be living in the new covenant, in the millennial kingdom, but we're obviously, we're all saved by the blood of the new covenant once you accept Messiah. So I hope that makes sense. So it goes with it these does. covenants. Yeah. It goes with these uh, covenants, and you're, you, you're very familiar with this. Uh, it goes with these covenants, with this prophecy, and other prophecies in 1948 was that door that opened, in my opinion, as a marker for a lot of prophecies prophecies to be fulfilled, including the fishermen to be released. Yeah, let me, first of all, we should look at Jeremiah itself, himself, when when it talks about the new covenant, I will make a new covenant with you, he talks to the nation of Israel in Jeremiah. And so that's where this, the concept even comes from, right? 
Um, uh, well, it's the, the words themselves. When when Jesus would say, "This is the blood of the new covenant," um, he's you know referring back to Jeremiah. Uh, so it's important to to uh, understand this prophet and what he's saying. And just to back you up, you're saying, "Well, all these um, you know the Aliyah, all this return is happening in Israel and the Jews." Yeah, <clears throat> it's verifiably true. And for the first time, I wrote about this in Fleet of the Mountains. It, I, it was just a year or two or three ago. Uh, that officially the population of Jewish people on earth, there's now more Jews in Israel, the country, than in the rest of the world. That has not been true since 70 AD. Wow. I mean, it's an amazing thing to think about. And if if you think these things aren't, you know, aren't real or these prophecies aren't, you know, you can massage them however you want, you can't make that up. You, you you can't you can't look at that and say wow there's actually more people in this the nation of Israel who are Jewish who are actually physical seed of Abraham um, than outside it that has after the Holocaust and all that you would think boy that was this is never going to happen but here it is here it is and uh, like Chad is saying a lot of up to this point the reason why many have returned is because they're being wooed basically right they're being told by the people who are already there the government and and organizations etc come back come back come back this is your land you know this is meant for you etc um and then at about at a certain point then there's this transition to hunters and they'll be basically running away fleeing from those who hate them and we're starting to see i mean you can see that now if we're looking closely at especially in you know places in europe uh, in France and, and in England and Germany, um, and eventually I'm sure the United States will follow suit with that, uh, that it will be a very tough life to live outside of Israel for a Jewish person. And so uh, do, is there, is there um, when that transition happens, will it be clear, do you think? Is, is there an event that we should look for that will turn that tide? Oh well, I believe that, and um, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember how this goes with the book as well, you know, because I'm trying to, you know, it starts with the covenants, then it goes with the fisherman prophecy, and we've discussed that. Yes, I believe that the Jewish people are the main fishermen for sure. Again, not we're not talking about 419. We're talking about the prophecy of Jeremiah itself, uh, Jeremiah 16. They are. It's irrevocable. They're going to call their own people back. I go through who Satan's original hunters were which um, when you go to the scriptures, but also some of these extra biblical sources, the Talmud, Josephus, etc., you see that there's a pattern with Satan, you know, with um, with the hunters. He's the same from the beginning. He's a murderer from the beginning. And if he can prohibit the covenant being made with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, uh, then he's going to win. So even before the covenant was made, and I go through this with the book with Abraham, Nimrod came against him, and people can do what they want to with it, with the Talmud, but I personally believe it's accurate with the historical references to that. And then you get into Isaac. Ishmael came against him. You get into Jacob. Obviously, the scriptures say that, that uh, Esau came against him, as we all know. So Satan's going to be consistent with trying to come against the covenant people, the original fishermen. And then David, we know about the unique battle with Goliath. I don't think that was by any coincidence, you know, but obviously we know the story where where God, you know, uh, allowed David to cut his head off and kill him with the stone. So I think it's a beautiful thing when you look at how consistent it is with the, if the Lord looks at the original fishermen, the original hunters, the beginning's going to be like the, or the end's going to be like the beginning. And now we're seeing you're, you're speaking about these markers, and yes, 1948 is a marker, and hopefully I'm not jumping ahead of you. Correct me if I am, but uh, as far as the markers and, if you will, the timetable and the seasons, I think it goes back in. I wrote a chapter in the book on this with the blood moon tetrads, and um, a lot of people have a different take on the blood moon tetrads. Um, you know, Mark Biltz came out with them. I think John Hagee wrote a book as well, and uh, many others. But my personal take is, is when you look at the pattern that God's given and I do believe that God gives patterns for us to understand these are his, the heavens declare the glory of God. Uh, just like Psalms 19, one says, you know, he, this is his celestial bodies in the sky that he created on his calendar, the sun and the moon. And whenever there's a blood moon uh, tetrad, it's very unique. I go through that in the book. And when we look at the pattern of it, uh, of the consistency that the Lord's done with this, since um, there's been one on 1493 and 1494, Basically, there's been four 
blood moon tetrads on the Lord's feast days of the last 500 years. That's how rare it is. A blood moon's not rare, but whenever it falls on the Lord's feast days, it is rare, especially a tetrad for two years. So what has occurred is there's been four times uh, in the last 500 years that there's been a blood moon tetrad, which is four blood moons for two consecutive years, and they occurred on Passover and Tabernacles on both years. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. This is really statistically, it's impossible almost to do that, okay, for four years, for four uh, times. And so we'll go through those real quick. So 1492, we all know that was the Spanish Inquisition. And then 1493, 1494 was the Blood Moon Tetrad on Passover and Tabernacles both years. And there was a migration of the Jewish people from Spain. Okay, and that's when Christopher Columbus, you know, founded the new new world and all that with America. Well, then we fast forward to 1948. We we know what happened there with the, the state of Israel. Well, 1949, 1950, which was the law of return. Uh, there was again the blood moon tetrad, Passover, Tabernacles. Not only a migration of the Jewish people, but an aliyah to the promised land, like we've discussed. That started the four million people coming uh, since that time. Then we go forward to 1967. We know what happened there. Jerusalem was recaptured by the Jewish people in the Six-Day War. What occurred in 67 and 68? Blood Moon Tetrad, again, Passover, Tabernacles, both years. The, the, the pattern continues. The, the mystery continues of Aliyah. They made Aliyah not only from the Promised Land, but to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem sits the city on the hill. So they made an Aliyah, or return to the holy city of the great king. And now we fast forward even further. Okay, in 2014 and 2015, six years ago, what occurred? We had, again, the blood moon tetrad both times, both years, Passover, Tabernacles. And then what did we see? In my opinion, that's when the hunters were released to answer your question. I believe that was the beginning. When I say the beginning, the very, very, very beginning of the hunters being released into Europe because of the chaos and the civilian unrest, the government anarchy uh, from the Arab Spring, and really since 2003 with Hussein being dethroned, as we discussed last week. Wait a minute. Hey, hang on, Chad. i got to back you up, brother. Okay. Two, when did this last one happen? 2014? 2014 and 2015. Well, when did, when did, when did ISIS uh, officially declare the caliphate? In that same Did you know? Time frame. 2014. That's right. That's and, right. And by the way, right, they went into Europe. And this, all these horrible acts started happening uh, in the European cities. And the world's like, what? I don't understand this. But you're saying this is all part of uh, God's arrangement for these hunters to come out. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's very fascinating. And there's a couple of points on that. Is It's been leading up. Again, 2003, it became a disaster, as you know, in Iraq. Uh, chaos, government, anarchy, however people want to call it. And then you've got, since that time, then you had the Arab Spring where countries just started falling like hotcakes, okay? And then you had government anarchies in Egypt and Libya and et cetera. Well, there's been a true asylum because, again, not every Muslim is a extremist, okay? They were seeking true asylum, yep. and they went through the Mediterranean. They went through Turkey, which is a natural gateway to Europe, and then Erdogan's using it as leverage, et cetera. But with that comes the radicals, comes the extremists, comes ISIS and all these people to Europe. And Europe, you know, um, to say this frankly, uh, Europe doesn't need any help with anti-Semitism uh, from their past. So, True. Uh, But with, with the gas that's being poured on it with Islam, it's a perfect a bowl of stew of hatred, you know, to the Jewish people. And it's not coincidence that the chaos and the civilian, and I go through this in the book with all these statistics of each country that's faced the Sudan, Egypt, Libya, Iraq, you know, you look at going on in Syria, et cetera, all these countries. And there's been an asylum of the, I mean, a migration. I mean, it's been the greatest, um, basically the movement of people that you've ever seen, you know, geographically in all these countries. And now they're into Europe. You're, like you're talking about, you look at the statistics basically in 2014, look at France. It's been a nightmare to live in France for the Jewish people uh, and for other people. Really, you show me a lot of countries over there. I'm not saying every country, but point being is the reason why is because the Jewish people, that's the third largest population of the Jewish people is in Europe and especially in France. 
you know, and then we'll get into America, which is the second largest coast. Like you said, Israel has the first. So you're, this is not by coincidence that you're seeing the third largest population of the Jewish people. You're seeing the Islamists, the extremists go through Europe, causing you, everybody can look at the statistics for themselves. But it started on the 2014 and 2015 uh, blood moons, like you said. And now you'll see it continue. So I believe personally, and people can, again, they can discern it for themselves. But I believe that that was a marker for the beginning of the hunters, just like the blood moon was in 1948 for the fishermen to be released. So I believe God is consistent uh, with uh, his prophecies, with the celestial bodies, with everything. And he's saying, hey, wake up. You know, you've seen these patterns and God is all about patterns. The release of the fishermen, 48 blood moon. And then you got 2014, 2015. Why wouldn't he do it on a blood moon as well to release the hunters? And when I say this, I love the Jewish people. Uh, this is the reason I wrote this is because of love for the Jewish people to wake yeah. them up, number one, to the gospel, but also to see what's coming. Uh, there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure on them to provoke them back to the promised land because of what Jeremiah wrote. And uh, so I say this in love, tremendous love that we're seeing it in Europe and we can talk about America when you want to, you're starting to see that anti-Semitism, that anti-Semitic behavior really rise like we've never seen, according to a lot of statistics in America. Amen. And by the, you're just a country bumpkin from Georgia. That's and right. Why, <laughs> why do you, uh, you know, in love, <laughs> um, why would you love the Jews? You know, like to, to me, this is just a real evidence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that he would give, and this is testimony not from Western Christians, but like people in Iran who have come to Jesus, all of a sudden they flipped a switch in them, was just flipped completely uh, the other direction for Israel and Jews, right? They used to hate them, now they love them. As soon as they accepted Jesus, boom. And like, wait a second, like that's pretty awesome. Uh, there's something to that. God will give us um, his heart, Ronnie for things That's and right. for people and to to under when we do understand uh his his grand plan in all these things uh that there is a, a massive um effort by God to bring his nation back to him and that like you said it's irrevocable that their calling is still out there that yes they've been called to be a kingdom of priests but we're kind of filling that void for now as the gentiles right um, we have to call them back to that. Like Malachi says, we're, we're calling them back to that. So God's going to use us to do it. So now we're seeing a whole a new dimension, basically, of, of God's plan. And hopefully this will give us love for the Jews uh, to the point where we're willing to sacrifice our lives, our, our resources, our money, our time, um, it, obviously to, to show them the Lord. Um, but even more than that, to say, you know what, I'm, I'm physically with you. Right, mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to get in the way of that that you know evil person that wants to hurt you, and some folks all of a sudden get really weirded out. Like, why is that weird? I mean, Jesus says these things over and over and over. And this is what we're called to do. Right? If if we love someone, we're willing to do it, uh, and we're willing to love someone who doesn't love us back. Right, and and it, especially if there's a plan in place where God has a calling on them. That needs to be said. That needs to be, they need to be reminded of that. And they're going to be, um, like you say, the hunting is going to happen. The enemies are going to be given um, victories, basically. And so we have to prepare them for that. And just one more thing I wanted to touch on before we get back to Chad is this, this turn towards anti-Semitism in the West, in America, uh, is, again, not by accident. Um, and we have to be so very careful as Gentile Christians not to fall into it. Because how do you think Germany happened? How did the Holocaust happen? Uh, it wasn't because they were all mean people. Right? They were convinced that the problems of the world, the problems of their nation, were this secret group of Jews that wanted to control everything and take their money, take their jobs, and take their blah, blah, blah. Right? And if we're not careful... All these crazy conspiracies out here, the QAnons and, and etc., all seem to have all these crazy conspiracies all seem to have this common thread in them, don't they? About this world domination by this secret cabal, right? And they're and they're Jews. The Jews control the banks and control the media and control the right. It sounds silly now that when I say it, but 
you would be shocked at how many Christians believe this stuff. And if you really do believe it, eventually you're going to act on it. You're going to say, get out of my country. Or worse. So that's, that's, that's the hunter mentality. You don't have to be an ISIS, right? You don't have to be a radical Muslim to hate the Jews. Satan will take it, right? He'll take it. Uh, so anyway, I just want to caution folks because it's so easy to say, okay, well, we're against the, the, the Middle Eastern Muslims and, and they're just out to whatever. Uh, it's a Western versus Eastern stuff, you know, uh, cultural wars. But that's not really the truth, is it? That's not really the truth. Um, we, if we're not careful, we're going to fall into that and in, in defending our culture or the West or what have you. You're going to be on Satan's team because all of a sudden you're turning against God's people uh, and you're not protecting them like you should be. You're not witnessing to them like you should be. Uh, you're actually their enemies. And, and Matthew 25 has some very stark warnings for, for you, for us, who fall into that. And what in the final years, in the final times when this is really coming to a peak and a, and a climax with Jacob's trouble, what did you do? To the least of my brethren, right? Now, however you want to slice that, it probably means the Jews in some way, right? Um, especially in the land. What did you say about that? What did you do? Right? That was a big thing, isn't it? It's what did you do about it? Did you visit? Did you feed? Did you clothe? This is not, did you pray for them? Or did you think nice thoughts? Right? Right? Or did you go to the funerals too late? It's like, what did you do to help them? Anyway, I take that very seriously. I know Chad does. And I hope you would, as a listener, if you haven't considered this um, view before, that prophecy is not just some like TV show or Netflix you can put on one day and be entertained. Right? Th these events are deadly serious things. Um, and for very, very important purposes, and God is very invested in it. And that's it. I just wanted to put that out there to, to you know, if we want to really partner with God, if we really want to have his heart, you know, have the heart of the Father, then love the Jews. And sometimes he'll do it automatic, but sometimes you've got to put some effort into it. And that's okay, too. So anyway, I just wanted to point out how, you know, Chad Harvey is not exactly... Uh, you know, some Israeli citizen or, you know, uh, has all these connections or all the rich Jews are financing faithful performance. Uh, I don't think that's happening. Um, in fact, it's not, I'm pretty sure. But anyways, <laughs> right? So it's just a testimony, a testament uh, to the Lord in in us, in us Gentiles like, like Chad, who would have this love and would write books for what? I mean, for what purpose? This is not going to get on the bestseller list. I mean, I hope so. We pray it would, but most likely, right, people aren't going to receive this um, because it's not very exciting. What do you mean? I have to, I have to do something? <laughs> I have to do stuff? I have to love people? This is crazy. Um, anyway, so, right, so we get to the point where the hunters are, are actually um, um, uh, doing their thing and, and chasing the Jews back to the land. And who is it? Hezbollah, years ago, said, well, good. Let them all come to the land so we could all kill them in the same place. That's right. That's very prophetic as well. So. Yeah, it is. Like Caiaphas or, you know, other people that God will use, you don't have to be a believer uh, to issue a prophetic statement. And, uh, and he did that. So anyways, yeah, um, on from there, how does, how does the book conclude? And then uh, what else do you think is, is worth uh, talking about today? Yeah, I think uh, you hit it on it. I, I completely agree with you. In Matthew 25, it reverts back to Joel 3 as well. And we've got to understand that, yes, it's talking about all believers and brothers, but I think he also is talking about his brethren. He is Jewish. He's a Jewish man, Jewish God, God of Israel, yeah. literally. And, um, you know, so I think it, you hit the right points on that. So with the book, um, I think going forward, when you look at America, because it's going to come west, you know, again, the second largest population of the Jewish people is in uh, the United States. And when you look at the ALIA applications, I mean, it's up like 100 percent, you know, from when the coronavirus hit. And then obviously the Jews are responsible for everything. That's everybody blames the Jewish people. You know, they've got the vaccine. So, yeah, they did it. And 
all this crazy conspiracy stuff. So you're seeing the Jewish people very nervous. I, for sure, in New York, you look at New York, it is a nightmare in New York. And really, um, if you're a Jewish person, you're really uh, kind of looking over your back all the time in, in New York. You know, it's really changed a lot up there. And I think it will continue uh, with because of this prophecy. And for all the believers that are Gentiles, don't worry or don't feel like you're safe because Islam does not discriminate. It's going to come against the Jewish people. It's going to come against the believers in Messiah, Jew and Gentile. It's going to come against if you're not a part of the Islamic doctrine. So just to make that clear, I don't think it's going to, even though the prophecy is for the Jewish people, I think uh, it will affect uh, all of us, you know, just like it has in Europe. So we just need to prepare ourselves for that. But when you look at America and you look at uh, against statistics, even to the highest office in the land, the presidents and how the presidents have bowed down, all of them, okay, I'm not going to discriminate, Republican and Democrat, every one of them have bowed down to Islam, you know, with Saudi Arabia, with the Muslim Brotherhood, with all the care, all mm -hmm. these Islamic people who are radicals, they want to infiltrate our government, which they have. And I do statistics in, in there with great statistics that prove the point of we've been infiltrated. You look at the squad right now, they're openly anti-Semitic. Okay. And our, I mean, who would have thought right. they hate Israel, they hate America. So when you're having this indoctrination in our government with the open borders, with the education system, with the colleges, you know, you look at our colleges right now, it's indoctrination of Islam. You look at Common Core, what George Bush did, Common Core, five pillars of Islam in the schools. You're seeing the indoctrination of our children and our college students, and it's only going to rapidly increase the anti-Semitism uh, that is going on in America, and you will see the alia only increase. Again, this is going to be a process. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a political jihad. It's, they can't just come over here and start cutting heads off, okay? That's not going to happen. Now, once they get control, then, then they'll start cutting your heads off after that. You know, once they get, if that ever happens, and we pray that it does not. But uh, this prophecy is going to be fulfilled. It's a very sobering prophecy, but it's going to be fulfilled to your point, to, for them to return to the land. And then when you get into Ezekiel 38 and 39, what does it say? Won't you know? He's talking to, in my mind to Antichrist. Won't you know when they're all in the land, dwelling safely? Okay, there's a reason he wrote it like that. And I do correlate Ezekiel 38 to Jeremiah 16 and Ezekiel 39 to Jeremiah 23. And uh, we can speak about that. But uh, there's a reason there's going to be, it goes into your book. So uh, the timing, and again, I'm not going to say this is what's going to happen. This is my opinion. He tells them to flee to the mountains, going to your book at the midway point of the tribulation. So I believe Jeremiah 16, the prophecy of the fishermen and the hunters will be fulfilled at that point of the midway tribulation because Messiah tells them to flee from the mountains. It's not to come make Aliyah. He tells him to flee to the mountains. So I believe there's a marker there. And again, this is just my opinion that this prophecy of the fishermen and the hunters will be uh, finalized at the midway point of the tribulation. Then we all know what happens. They're going to be exiled one more time, the third time, divine right. perfection or divine judgment, however you want to look at it. And then there'll be a final Aliyah with the king himself in Jeremiah 23. It says he will lead them back. So when you read Jeremiah mm. 16 and Jeremiah 23, there's similar language in there. No longer will he be called the God who brought him out of Egypt, but from he brought him from the north and from all the areas. But then it tells you specifically there's a difference. The first one in Jeremiah 16 is the fishermen and the hunters brings them back. Then the Jeremiah 23 is Messiah himself, the great shepherd, will lead them back personally. Isaiah 63, coming from Sinai mm. and from all these areas. Mm. So we have to understand that this is going to be a very... It's a process, you know, and uh, again, this is not to set dates, but I believe God shows us markers for us to, he, he tells us to watch. Messiah continually told us to watch his prophecies come to fulfillment so that we can spread the gospel to the Jew first and then the Gentiles, as, as Paul says in Romans 1. And um, that's just the way that it is, you know, that, that we need to be spreading the gospel to the Jewish people and to all people, Muslims, everybody. You know, we love everybody, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we want it, but for this specific prophecy, uh, we're going to see this escalate, and it does go with the kingdoms, you know. So you got the kingdoms that we're watching, but also this Jeremiah 16 prophecy as well, and it's on a collision course together. So I think you're going to see a rapidly just watch the Middle East, watch the kingdoms, and as you see the kingdoms come to fruition, then you're going to see this prophecy as well, this fishermen and hunters prophecy collide. And what I'm trying to say is, 
I think you and I agree that we're about to see this uh, Yvonne Turkey really be the the third kingdom out of mm-hmm. four come mm-hmm. to fruition. So that's going to escalate the prophecy of the fishermen and the hunters, if you will, to bring them back to the land and to fulfill all these prophecies. And some of them are very sobering when you read Zechariah 14, when you read all of these prophecies, it's it's a really a time to really pray into uh, for the Jewish people and all people. But uh, there will be one more bad time uh, with uh, the Jewish people in Jerusalem, in Zion, when uh, God allows the time of Jacob's trouble. Amen. And let's uh, give people who want to take a look at it, Jeremiah 23. Is it basically the whole chapter or just the first part of it or... What do you? Oh, well, how do you he, put it? he talks about the yeah. He talks about the great. I think it's in. You can start with verse six, I think, and uh, it talks about the great shepherd. You mm-hmm. know, and then it talks about the same language as you'll see in Jeremiah sixteen. Uh, no longer will he be called the God who brought him out of uh, the you know Egypt, but he will be the God who brought him out of the north and from all the errors, and he will lead them back. You know, I don't know the speci- I don't have it right in front of me, but he he says that, and that's so important that he led them back. He leads them personally back you know, to uh, the promised land. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days are coming. I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. We know who the branch is. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved. That sounds like all Israel will be saved. And Israel will dwell safely now. This is his name by which he will be called Yehovah Sidkenu. The Lord our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming that they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought them up out of the children of Israel out from Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. That's what you're talking about, and that's powerful, isn't it? And it's, and it's amazing that I think we both agree that he meets them at Sinai one more time, just like the original Exodus. So yeah. it's amazing how the Lord uses that same language from Egypt. He, when we call the God, you know, Lord lives from Egypt, from, you know, I just think it's a cool correlation of what he did. And I just feel like um, we're seeing all of these prophecies. It's such an amazing time to be alive, as you know, and uh, something I believe the prophets would have loved to have seen, you know, in our days. And um, it's just totally amazing what the Lord's doing. Uh, amen. And we're about to wrap up here, lest we keep uh, Chadwick from his from his actual job. Uh, but uh, we are so thankful to have him here. This has been Chadwick Harvey on Unsealed. You can, again, find out everything he's doing. Go to the YouTube channel, I suggest, first, uh, Faithful Performance. Just type that into YouTube and see the multitude of uh, topics and, and really deep dives into both of these books that we've been talking about the past two weeks. I think every chapter in those books has its own video. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, I did it that way uh, on the first book, and I just finished the Fisherman book uh, not too long ago with uh, ten videos for each uh, one for each chapter. Yeah, and they're very, very good. And you can act- even sign up for the um, email notifications when a new video comes out, which I have, which is why I know they come out. Uh, but yeah, there's various ways to get into it to learn what. Uh, the Lord is trying to say and is using Chad to do. And, of course, like he said, you can get the books for free directly from him if you want to email uh, chad at faithfulperformance.com. Of course, we want to recommend that you give to his ministry uh, as well in any way that you can, uh, even if it means buying a book direct uh, from him, uh, from his website, or or even Amazon, whatever it is. Um, but get your hands on it and get the information in your head, uh, because it will certainly help, I believe, your, your walk with the Lord. Uh, we're talking about just understanding God's heart, God's mind, uh, walking in holy holiness, right? Uh, seeing his, like you say, his calendar, his way of looking at things, because our ways are not his ways. Uh, we've got to look at his ways uh, and his plans. And, the, you know, I know the plans I have for you. This is That's Jeremiah again. Keeps popping up here. Um, that's all tied in, right? He's talking to his, his son, Israel. His son, uh, his his children that he wants to save, that he wants to plant in that land and never pluck up um, again. And that will happen. That will happen. But it's a mistake, as you keep bringing up, Chad, correctly. This is not the end of the story. This is not the final return that we're seeing. This is only a, today, no matter how much we want it or help or pray for it or support charities or whomever. God bless him and God bless those who help. Uh, but that's not the end. That's not the ultimate uh, way that it's going to happen. Uh, at the end of the story, Jesus himself, as you say, when they call for him, 
uh, he will come and rescue them out of these countries and bring them himself, I think, the right as Joshua did, right across, he is Joshua, right? Uh, right, right, right across that uh, Jordan River, uh, right across through the temple area, right across uh, the Mount of Olives, and right into the Eastern Gate. And it's it's a it's a powerful image to picture that, and not only Jesus, but imagine the whole now saved nation of Israel behind him, as you know, following the shepherd. Wow, that's powerful stuff. Uh, anyway, Chad, again, we want to respect your time and let you go. Uh, again, if you want to, the folks should know anything else, or you feel like uh, you should be saying something else to the audience. Uh, why don't you go ahead and do that now? Well, uh, again, I really appreciate you having me on. It's always great to converse with you and um, and track with you and run this race with you and, and all the other ones that we network with. And I think the main thing for me is <clears throat> for all of us to be prepared, you know, spiritually, you know, emotionally, physically, you name it, because the times that we are, are seeing and they're only going to increase and they're going to be like the prophet Joel says, there's going to be great and there's going to be terrible. You know, we've got to be spiritually understanding of that and to remember what Messiah said. He said to watch. He said for us to watch. He said, I mean, who wouldn't want to watch these things? It's, a, it's amazing what the Lord's doing with his prophecies. And just remember what he warned uh, the children of Israel. Or actually, what he said to them is when he was weeping over Jerusalem in Luke 19, 41 through 44, he was weeping over Jerusalem and he, you know, they were going to be desolate. You know, they were going to be destroyed. And he said, because you did not understand the time of your visitation, you know, they just didn't recognize what was going on at his first coming, you know, with the feast days and then he's the Passover lamb and all of these beautiful things. And I worry and I pray for the church, you know, all over the world to understand the times that we're living in, to understand a basic understanding of God's calendar, the feast days the covenants, understand what the war is about. You know, this is a king coming back to war. You know, he's coming, he's not coming back with a peace sign, you know, in the air mm -hmm. with flowers around his head. He's coming back with yeah. a sword. He's coming back for vengeance, the day of vengeance. And we can be a part of that, praying into it, warning people, praying for people, making the Jews jealous, spreading the gospel to the, everybody, Muslims, everybody, Hindus, you name it. So that's where my heart is. I know that's where your heart is. And, and for us to really look at these prophecies in a responsible way, and I like to look at them as historical uh, on statistics and then let the prophecies speak for themselves going forward instead of uh, you know proclaiming something might happen next year or on the mm -hmm. Shrita cycle or whatever. Let's just mm -hmm. see what happens. You know, So that's where my heart is, and I know that's where your heart is. And I would have to tell the audience to get your book as well, Flee to the Mountains. It really, it really could be like a, um, an encore to the, the Fisherman book there because it kind of goes – it really goes perfectly with what Chris wrote with Flee to the Mountains because, again – they're not making alia. They're they're t they're commanded to flee, you know, to the mountains, which goes perfectly with what I personally believe. So, I uh, hope that uh, this has been helpful for everybody, and just to kind of keep in mind all these things, and to make the Jewish people jealous, and to stand with the brethren. I think uh, remember Jesus is Jewish, and uh, this is brethren that we're we're speaking of, and is the callings irrevocable. So we have to respect that and understand that, and also make them jealous for their Messiah, which is Yeshua. So I hope that leaves everybody in a good space, and it's always to be, it's always great to be with you, man. Thank you, brother. Amen to all of that, and um, I hope the Lord blesses and, and keeps you and, and all the travels that He has you on, whether it be the digital world or, or otherwise, that you'd be prospered and and blessed in every way, and uh, that His Spirit would be mightily with you, and uh, that you'd feel His presence and all the good things that he has for you. Um, that's what I pray. And so I ask you folks to pray for Brother Chad as well. And again, please check out his YouTube channel and his ministry and his books and give if you're led and just share. And because this message that uh, Chad is bringing does, does need to come out and God is doing it for a purpose. Uh, so I bless him for that. Thank you, my brother. And by the way, good message on preparation to, to close this because actually next week, uh, we've, uh, we're having Nick Franks on from the UK who we're going to be talking about mm -hmm. the radical preparation for the return of Christ. That's what God mm -hmm. has led on his heart. So I think this dovetails perfectly. My friend, thank you so much, man. Uh, we'll be talking to you very soon. I am sure. Uh, Chad Harvey, everyone from cyberspace, right to your ears. Bless the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. 
Thank Chad, you. Love you, man. Love you. All right. Chad Ooh. Harvey, everyone. Uh, this has been Unsealed. Uh, please go to unsealedpodcast.com. Give to the ministry and to share around because the time is coming, friends. We do indeed have to be prepared. Maranatha. To hear previous episodes, to obtain resources, and to support this ministry, visit unsealedpodcast.com. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved.